Hello and welcome to Columbia River Economic Development Council's fourth installment in our lineup of Grow Clark County podcasts, Startup Stories. I'm Marnie Farnes, the Relationships and Strategies Manager with CREDC. Last week we heard from Josh Engelbrecht, founder and CEO of the construction technology company Toolbelt. Today, we'll be hearing from Sarah Laughlin, HR Director of Camus's Fuel Medical. Fuel Medical was recognized by Inc. Magazine as one of the 5,000 fastest growing companies in the country. How great is this? And right here in Clark County. In a minute, you'll hear from Sarah insights on how small businesses can attract and retain a solid workforce create a healthy culture and strategically communicate with employees. And of course, several other pieces of wisdom will be thrown in there as well. Hey, we've scheduled this series of podcasts strategically leading up to World Entrepreneur Week, which is the week of November 16th. And on Thursday, November 19th at 4 p.m., We'd love it if you would join us for a live webinar featuring featuring all of our podcast guests. They'll share more tidbits to strengthen your business and they'll also be answering questions. You won't wanna miss this, so make sure you mark your calendar. Before we get to Sarah, allow me to say how much CREDC appreciates WSUV's Business Growth Mentor and Analysis Program and the support they provide to small businesses in the community. And last but definitely not least, I'd like to sincerely thank our sponsor, IQ Credit Union, for their commitment to businesses and economic development here in Clark County. Their support of this series has allowed us to offer today's episode to you at no cost. Here is a short word from Julie Ahrens, Assistant Vice President of Business Services with IQ Credit Union. Hey, hey, business owners, thank you so much for logging in and clicking in today. We're super excited that you're joining us. My name is Julie Ahrens, also known as IQ Julie, and I'm blessed to work for IQ Credit Union, your local nonprofit, non-bank financial institution in town. We've been around since 1940 helping business owners business dreams come true. So whether you're a startup business and you have this dream and you're not ready to take it to the next step, or maybe you've done this for a really long time and you're ready to get out of business, So maybe you need help with succession planning or retirement planning. Whatever stage you're at in your business dream and in your business journey, IQ Credit Union is ready to help you. We've got a large team of business loan officers, business bankers, business account specialists, and we would love to partner with you. So thank you so much for joining us. We're super proud to sponsor the CREDC live podcast uh, series. And whether you're clicking in for the first podcast or maybe you're clicking in just for the live panel event at the end, Whatever it is, we're excited you joined us, and IQ Credit Union is super excited to be part of this important series, helping business owners' dreams come true. So next time you need a business loan, business account, or some other business service, we hope you'll consider IQ Credit Union. You'll be glad you did. Enjoy. Sarah, hi. Hello. Hi, thanks for uh, joining me today. Well, thanks, Barney. I appreciate you inviting me. Oh, for sure. Super excited to hear uh, just what's going on with Fuel Medical and in your world. So I'm very pleased that you said yes to the invitation. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I've given listeners uh, just a real brief um, introduction as to who you are and, uh, um, of course, mentioned Fuel Medical in the introduction 
here just now, but would you tell listeners about yourself and a little bit about Fuel Medical? Sure. Let me start with Fuel Medical. So what Fuel Medical Group does is we provide business consulting services to ear, nose, and throat and private practice audiology clinics across the United States. We work with over 600 and probably about 630 different small businesses. The average size of business that we work with is about 25. Um, and it certainly goes up from there because we work with universities, we work with large hospital systems, big players in there. But I would say that kind of our average size is probably one ENT doctor and a staff of about 20 to 25. And so that's really the, the what we are bringing is sort of small business support. And so the way I contribute to that is I'm the HR director. I'm the HR director for the company. We have about 105 employees with fuel but what I also do, and I think what is most important, what we offer is human resources consulting services to these small businesses. And so a significant portion of that is in recruiting efforts. So we're supporting them from the recruitment of a front office person all the way up to a physician and all points in between. And so kind of run the gamut um, in any of these particular businesses. But for me, I've been in HR for over probably over 25 years. That's uh-huh. where my master's degree is in, uh, which I, I probably when I got that, I didn't really know what HR was at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so there was that. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that was. Um, but I would say that also a significant portion of my career has been in consulting with small businesses. So mm-hmm. way, way back in the day, if you remember uh, like Free Willy, the, the whale, like that was one of my clients. <laughs> Oh, wow. Doing you know, work for that foundation. So that was way, uh, way, way back. And so as time has gone on, then I have spent more time in the healthcare arena, specifically in audiology and ENT. Oh, wow. Yeah. Curious what your fuel started, fuel medical. Oh, sure. 10 years ago, actually. We are now, well, actually now 11. We just um, had our 11th anniversary in October, actually last week. So, wow. it's, so- yeah. Started in 2009, mm-hmm. so it's like we're we've um, gone back in time a little bit with just where things are at today. So absolutely, that's yeah, it's really funny. Um, the the company, and this is I think you really bring up a good point. The company was founded at a time where we all remember 2008 2009 was obviously a complete wreck. Mm-hmm. Similarly, economically to what we're experiencing now, and. And what was happening then was that small businesses, the audiology and ENT space, really need and had an opportunity to really invest in growth at that time. We've seen some differences since then. Different industries obviously have been impacted. Ten years ago, it wasn't medical, but the this go around, medical practices have been very significantly impacted, much as other businesses have. And sometimes you think healthcare is sort of recession proof, but not necessarily. And, and we're seeing that. Right. Yeah, we definitely have seen that this year. Um, so curious, Fuel Medical is in Camas. Mm-hmm. I've actually been to your space and it's yes. beautiful. Love it. So why Camas? So I think there are really two significant things about the choice of moving the business because the, the business has been in Camas in our location on 3rd and Birch for five years, now six years. And consciously, Brandon and Sean, who own the organization, thought 
we want to be in a place that is really family friendly, that is has good schools, really invests, but also we want to be downtown where our staff can really be engaged in the community. And so, you know, I can you know, really speak to our staff being very involved in the growth of many of the in, of the restaurants, for example, because our staff would go out to lunch. Now, COVID's obviously a little, you know, a, a turn on that, but the rest of us are still going to work at the Stroll Corvette shop and and really are active and so being part of the downtown core is really incredibly central to our I think us as fuel as being part of a community mm-hmm. and Brandon and Sean's families are really important to them and so that broader sense of how do you where do you raise your kids is mm-hmm. is really critical and that that then plays out to how we think about this for all of our employees. What do we want for them? Yeah, Camas is a wonderful spot. Um, yeah. Of course, uh, CRADC serves all of Clark County, um, Camas being an important part of that. And yes. we just feel really fortunate to have Fuel Medical um, both in Camas, but also just in the county in this area. So. Um, Hey, speaking of employees and switching Mm -hmm. to workforce, I'm going to jump right in here. Um, You've been in HR for 25 years, um, but but what have you learned, especially recently, um, um, about successful recruiting? Um, And I'm thinking specifically with small businesses in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, that's the first part of my question. And the next part of my question is how can small businesses compete? Obviously, if you're smaller, you know, you have to maybe perhaps be at times a little more creative, but yeah. So a lot of it, I can use this really from the last, well, I don't know, 15 years, I guess I've been in in this space. So you've got hospitals, for example, and mostly what we're working with are 25 employee sized medical practices. And so they're in this very similar situation that I think a lot of small businesses themselves and how do you compete with all of the resources that a hospital can provide, the retirement and the healthcare and all of those things. And and what I would say to a client that I would be working with or, or anyone listening is that there is so much that you have to offer that a large system can't offer. And there are so many people who are really interested in working for an organization, A, that's interested in building a community, so people really want to belong to something, and I definitely have seen that over the last, since 2008, 2009, people are much much more interested in being part of something that's going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so I think the way that small businesses can really differentiate themselves is being able to articulate what is it that makes and showcases that you are able to make a difference and that really comes from the heart, right? That's why right. so many business owners decided to open their doors to you know, put all of their life savings on the line to offer something to their community. So the question is, have you gone through an exercise of being able to articulate what that is? And the reason that I would say to start with that is because once you figure out what those passion points are for you, why you decided to open the doors, whatever right. that is, Mm-hmm. that you can then use those things to talk to prospective employees. And you can use those for all of your interview questions. It becomes a really um, a point of efficiency, but also a point of, of differentiation. Um, whether that's, uh, you know, it could be that we're able to 
be more efficient. We're able to, you know, we offer a lower cost service. And um, so cost is one of those things or service, and we talk about those. But um, it could be that you know, we're problem solvers. And I, I would say that that's definitely how fuel differentiates ourselves about being, um, you know, collaboration is really, really important for us. And so once you identify those areas, although you cannot necessarily offer all of the benefits, uh-huh. maybe the healthcare benefits, and, and I can speak to this separately, but there are ways of going around that and offering some other things. You could offer stipends and some different things, but people are looking for something beyond just, um, you know, you're just part of this larger organization. They They want to be able to offer their unique spin. And I think we're seeing that with people who are having different careers. There's some research out there that says an average person will change their jobs eight times. Right. Which is a lot. It sounds yeah. like it. But really, when you think about it, it's like, okay, well, what did you learn from that next thing? And that can really be so beneficial to a small organization because sometimes you have to wear 14 hats. Right. Until you can build some revenue and then hire somebody else. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, that. Um, sure. But I, like I said, I think it really starts with grounding yourself and why did you bother to start this business in the first place? Mm-hmm. And that will resonate with people. That's interesting you say that. Um, you're the you're the fourth podcast. Sorry, I had to kind of do the math. You're the fourth podcast um, so far in this series. And um, I pretty sure, actually, I'm positive that each um, business and person that I've interviewed has said that exact same thing for a different purpose. But it's just it's like the theme that keeps coming up is being clear on on your purpose and why it is you're doing what you're doing. And Boy, isn't that the truth? Like, I think that that's true for um, not just businesses, but those looking for um, work um, when you're interviewing. You know, it's so important that that match is is the right match. So both for the business and for the prospective employee. Absolutely. Well, that's the thing we talk about branding. Um, So all the exercises that you would go about branding yourself to prospective customers are, are the same things you're doing to brand yourself to your employees. And we talk to students about this a lot as well. We talk to um, doctors of audiology and we go through a personal branding exercise with them. So I think what you're saying, if if you know, I'm the fourth one in a series, you can see where you gain efficiency with this. Uh-huh. Like yeah. Exactly what you said. You have the opportunity to take an exercise that is really it can be time consuming and challenging and you have to fit it into an already tight schedule, but you can use it for multiple purposes. So it's good work, you know, it's yeah, that's important. Well, and so often we adjust and change who we are mm-hmm. um, to accommodate others or what we think others want from us. Um, that goes personally and for business. Right. When when what is actually wanted or what could have been wanted was the real us or the real vision of the business. And so it's Absolutely. just an important reminder not to switch who you are or what your purpose is, but to stay clear. Okay, I could talk about add that, to that. now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, still kind of going down that same path um, mm-hmm. and thinking of workforce. Um, what are some pointers that you can give businesses on hiring smart and 
I think you've already kind of covered a big part of that, but hiring mm -hmm. and training employees. What are so, some lessons you've learned? Yeah. Sure. I, I would say, you know, I was, just as we talked about, first of all, figure out what your core values are because all of your interview questions will come from and go back to those points. And so again, it's just a point of efficiency because you could say, well, uh, we pride ourselves in being problem solvers for our customers. And then you can turn that to a prospective employee and say, tell me about a time when you have been a constructive problem solver, or maybe maybe one of your points of differentiation are, are being highly ethical. Uh, you know, Tell me about a time when you have been challenged ethically. So you can always come back to that. So you're also figuring out if this person is aligned with you. So I always start there. And then the next piece of that is I also would really encourage you to think about being inclusive of others besides yourself in the interview team. So basically you're starting out, what do we need? So you're creating, you don't have to have a job description. There's no law that says you have to have one, but a job no. description at least is a placemat to start with. These are the things we need someone to be doing. So it becomes a communication yeah. tool. Then you're extracting those questions. And then from the questions, then you're maybe dividing those up amongst people on an interview team. And this is an opportunity for others to help inform you. You ultimately are the decision maker, of course, but okay. having buy-in from the rest of the team, because you're not just, I mean, I guess I would just encourage people to think about, you're not just adding a person to the job. You're not just adding a front office person. You're adding a person to your entire team. They must understand the breadth of what it is that you're serving. And I don't care what role they're on. I don't care if they are driving a forklift. It right. has, what is the purpose that we are in business and what is our end deliverable? So that applies to all individuals. And then thinking about the training piece, the 30, 60, 90, if you don't really capture a person in that first three, maybe I would probably even say 60 days, mm -hmm. if you haven't kind of thought through how are we going to bring them into the whole business, not just, hey, answer the phone, you are really missing an opportunity to make this a long-term employee because they're just not going to get all the pieces. Right. So the training mechanism, and I, and I know that I go through this a lot with the businesses we work with. Training takes time. Mm -hmm. It's also what causes people not to want to either fire someone or hire someone. So right. like, oh, geez, I got to train them and training takes time. And I've already got 42 things already going on, yeah. but it's not it's easy. A, it isn't easy at all. So thinking about what are we, and that's why a job description also is kind of helpful. It's like, well, let's just make sure it's also acts as a checklist. Yeah. What are we going to make sure that we train each person on? And I would also say, put something on your calendar for every Friday or every Thursday, whatever, to have a specific time to check in with that new employee. How's it going? What what went wrong which is a great question you know there are things that go yeah. wrong and you want to be encouraging of that so you can correct that behavior earlier than later or if you're observing something that is not going well you have the opportunity to do behavioral correction then as well because you're really training on two things you're making sure the behavior is in alignment with your objectives and you're also making sure that the technical skill is there as well so there's two things that are happening and you want them mm -hmm. to be sort of developed at the same time, you know, as you're moving this person through their career. Yeah, and like, Sarah, when you and I talked um, 
uh, last week, I think it was, you had mentioned just the importance of clear communication with employees and, you know, stressing just how important it is to, to be clear and to be direct. Can you, can you um, just talk a minute about what that means to you? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that over my many years <laughs> uh, working with small business in particular, there's very frequently a hang up with not wanting to hurt somebody's feelings because you are in such a small, I mean, there's six people, there's five or three or whatever, and you don't want to hurt people's feelings, or you really feel like even though this person is a behavioral mismatch, that I just got to have a warm body. And that takes such an incredible toll on the entire organization that I would just encourage everyone to dig really deep and understand that you want to have good and clear communication if it were you. When I talk to people, it's like, yeah, of course I would want someone to be straight with me. But all this other emotional baggage kind of gets collected into it and either people hang on to a poor performer or they just, um, they avoid the conversation and I, I, one of the things that I've just said for a lot of years, and I guess I, it's sort of a, a soundbite for me that might be helpful, is not every job is for every person. And so if something's going wrong, I'm, I'll just tell you almost, a, maybe let's say 85% of the time, mm-hmm. the person knows that something's going wrong too. Right. And sometimes it's just they just can't pull the trigger and go find another job. And sometimes you're helping them to go seek Uh you know, successful opportunity someplace else. And I know that there's lots of, you can make a lot of jokes around that, but I just, all these years, I've always found that to be the the truth Uh uh, Uh that people know that, and they just need to have it straight. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, and to have the opportunity early on, that's where being direct and clear early on. And then sometimes it also um, allows opportunity and you mentioned this for the employee to um to give feedback because perhaps it's the case that mm-hmm. um that I'm not being the one that's clear or right. or the training is somehow inadequate. I mean obviously we're all in process including um small businesses organizations and so you know it's a learning opportunity for everybody. Right. And so yeah, good advice, good thoughts. Thank you. Um, so tell me a little bit about Fuel's culture and how you cultivate that. Sure. So Fuel's culture, as I've been talking about, you know, really is built around our core values. And so we went through a process a few years ago, um, and so, and you have to do this, you know, as organizations change. So about three, four years ago now, um, we went through and really looked at what is it as the organization has grown that we really pride ourselves on. And so we have what we call our pillars. Some people call them values. You can call them whatever you want. So those for us is being collaborative, strategic, trustworthy, and deliberate. And what has been really interesting, I think, about this is when before COVID, I would have said that absolutely collaborate, and I would still say this, collaboration is super important to me. This We're problem solvers. We are business consultants, and we want our businesses to grow. That's that's the reason we're in business, right. to help these folks. Yeah. So collaboration means that you know maybe it's my recruiting team or me working with our web team to make sure that the web um, 
maybe if people are getting like poor reviews, we're trying to figure out what's going on in order to make sure that the reviews are not poor online because that's gonna affect recruiting and it's customers and all of those sorts of things. So those things have to dovetail. But what has happened that I think I've noticed in COVID land is that we've really had to dig into being deliberate. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that just means I've got to really think about who am I going to call today? These are people I haven't seen for months now. Uh, So, you know, I've got a core team of people I call all the time, but sometimes it's okay. I'm going to just pick someone randomly from a different department because I don't get to see them. So I have to be very specific and thoughtful about that. That would have just in the past, I would have thought being deliberate means I'm going to make a strong business case for some recommendation that I'm going to make that makes me deliberate. I'm going to be strategic. I hope you're going to trust that I'm going to give you good advice. But now it's deliberate takes on a whole different meaning than it ever than than it did before. So that's been a valuable having those four values has has been really important, I think, Mm -hmm. as we've entered this phase of Yes. Strangeness. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, we talk about COVID and it obviously is the thing that's happening right now. But your points are relevant because COVID's, you know, it's it will eventually um, go mm-hmm. away, but yeah. then there will be something else. And so I think that that you're um, the points you're making are relevant for um, just in general. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, we're uh, running out of time. Okay. So, but um, I want to give you the opportunity to share a little bit um, with uh, listeners. Managing people can be overwhelming. And so I'm hoping you can give just a couple of points of advice for self-care. It's sure. obviously, it's it's one thing to have, to be in, to be a small business, to be your own, um, you know, to be a one person show. But then when you start bringing on employees, it, the game changes. And so um, how can, how can managers or businesses that have employees take care of themselves? It's, it's sure. it can be daunting. Absolutely. I know I managed staff too, and I have for lots of years, so I can absolutely appreciate the gut-wrenching nature of of preparing for a conversation that no one wants to have. I think the thing that I have found over the years in working with small business, the self-care piece, I think it's really important to have a group of of people that you can reach out to, whether you you call me and we'll have coffee or something, just to talk out these issues, particularly with um, the private practices that we work with, where they own it, maybe it's five or six employees and their spouse does something completely different. So they don't have anybody to talk to because nobody knows what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And so having some, and I don't even mean mentors. I mean, people that you've, maybe it's like you're part of the restaurant association, um, which is really obviously strong in in our area. And calling some folks up and saying, what are you seeing here? And I think a piece that I have found over the years is that people are willing to help other people. You just have to ask for the help. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's really hard because you're the business owner and you're expected to know everything. Right. And you don't, you can't. 
it's just, it's not possible. And so getting out of that comfort zone to help talk it out, talk out the topic to get all the competing ideas out will give you the opportunity to come up, I think, with generally a better outcome, Mm -hmm. but also to help you feel like you're not alone. Yeah. That's the concern. Yeah, it's easy to feel alone, I'm sure, for especially for small businesses. Um, so, you know, you've given so much good um, information. I wish we had two hours to continue talking. Uh, Sarah, you'll be joining me again on November 19th, which I'm really excited about. And so hopefully this conversation um, just whets the appetite for more. And so for those who are listening today, um, if you have questions or just more thoughts that you'd like to run past Sarah, she will be joining us, like I said, on November 19th. And so uh, at four o'clock, so that will be a Zoom WebEx. Excited about that. Yeah. Happy Um, to have any questions. Yeah. But uh, real quick, one last kind of sneaker question. What's (laughs) next for Fuel? Oh, gosh, you know, that's the I think one of the things that we pride ourselves on is looking at other industries and looking at other trends. There are things that really happened 10 years ago for many other industries. Uh, For example, telehealth (laughs) would be a great example of that. Lots of other businesses have really had to embrace a different way of communicating. Well, now that really has been brought forward. So we're always trying to look at other industries and what do we think is going to really impact healthcare next? And that I think is what has helped us really grow. Um, And we've done a really great job of that. We're really at the top of our game. And I I think we can stay there by trying, again, going back to our core values of being deliberate and strategic, but also I would add in there maybe being, you know, innovative. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we did that I guess so we'll just kind of slide in here is a couple months ago, we did innovation week. And we asked all of our employees a bunch of questions about what they thought we should be doing or what we could be doing and took all of those informations. And now we have a really cool game plan and areas that our staff wants us to work on what they're seeing from their perspective. Those are the, um, I think those are the ways that that fuel stays relevant to our clients, which is obviously what we hope to continue to do and continue to gain market share. Oh, I love that. And you know, it's so true. That just speaks to your culture. Um, If you're having uh, something like Innovation Week, because, um, you know, I think any good business recognizes that, hey, we only have so many ideas. We need, we hire people to help us. And sometimes the employees that you maybe wouldn't expect the best ideas from are the ones that come up with some of the best ideas, or at least what they share lead to other ideas. And so I love it. Yeah. We have wicked smart people. It's cool. Love it. Sarah, we are so happy that you're here in Camas, and I am so just grateful that you took your time today out of your busy day to share your information with listeners and with our community. And um, I'm just really looking forward to November 19th and continuing this. So thank you. 
It was fun. It was a good time. Yeah. I'm happy good. to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, thank you, Sarah. All right. Take care. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to today's broadcast. Delving into the world of HR when you're a small business definitely poses unique challenges. I'm sure you found Sarah's experience and insights helpful. A big thank you to her for her time and sharing with us. Don't forget to join us on Thursday, November 19th at four o'clock for our live finale of this series, where we'll continue these great conversations and also answer questions. Until then, take care.